All right. Hey, everybody. Glad to see everyone on the call. Um, I, I don't know if I'm going to be as an interesting because I'm not wearing tights. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm honored to introduce uh, a great friend and a mentor of mine. He was a professor of mine in college. I went to Johnson University uh, and did uh, my undergraduate and graduate work there. But uh, uh, Jody Owens, he's a professor of um, Old Testament and spiritual formation. And uh, he's, he's done full-time ministry for 10 years. After that, uh, he went into, he started working at Johnson University. He's been there for 20 years. Um, all throughout that time has been continued to do interim ministries. I remember in his classes, I uh, used to hear him say all the time, you know, one of these days, I'm just going to drop this gig and go start a church or something like that. <laughs> so I don't know if you're still planning on doing that, Jody, but uh, um, over the past eight years, he's, he's started and has been leading spiritual formation summits um, that he does a couple of times a year. Um, hundreds of, of people have gone through that, thousands probably by now. Um, uh, he's, uh, completed the, the Renovar Institute for spiritual formation and the Academy for spiritual formation. Um, yeah, just an amazing man of God. Uh, I've gotten, I've learned a lot. I mean, there are still things to this day that I practice daily that I learned in his spiritual formation class, um, like a daily examen, um, uh, great books like, uh, Lance Witt's replenish. Those are books that I read yearly. Um, so yeah, I've taken a lot from Jody personally. I, I think you guys are going to uh, glean a lot from him today and I'm excited to hear what he has to say. So without further ado, Jody Owens. So. Thanks. Thanks, Jason. Um, you know, one of the great things about teaching is, um, when your students transition from being your students to your friends, uh, and, and I love that dynamic. And uh, Jason, I feel like we're friends now more than just two folks that had the teacher-student relationship. So, so thank you. Blake, thanks so much for that uh, devotion. Uh, that was strong. We need to have a phone conversation sometime to go a little deeper on that. Uh, and what you said, I think, really ties into some of the things I wanted to share with you. Uh, Jason mentioned that I was in located preaching ministry for um, 10 years before uh, David Eubanks called and asked if I would be willing to come teach at Johnson. And I think in my heart of hearts, I'm still a preacher. Uh, this group feels so comfortable just being with you all and hearing you talk. And I've kept a foot in the world of the church and the pulpit uh, the entire time I've been teaching here. I thought that my 10 years of ministry work was really good preparation to teach at a place like Johnson because we train ministers and missionaries. Uh, and it was, but after 20 years in higher ed, I'm learning that my 20 years in academia has really been good preparation to minister to ministers because I've been given a privilege that many of you all would love to have, but you don't have. And that is for the past 20 years, I've essentially been paid to read and reflect on my 10 years in ministry. Nobody who's in full-time ministry has that luxury. You've got to write the next sermon. You've got to preach the next funeral. You've got to do the next program, whatever it is. And God's really laid it on my heart that I have to steward the opportunity that I've had well. 
Uh, it's not that I'm any smarter than anybody else. I've just essentially had the opportunity to focus on uh, deep study and deep reflection as it relates to um, ministry in the life of the church. And for me, being an academic for the past 20 years has never been separated from my love for the church and my love for ministers. Uh, and so uh, all that to say, uh, I feel very comfortable with you all here. And I'm finding myself more and more ministering to folks like you. And I think after 20 years of reflection, I've really just got one thing to say to you today. Uh, it's not a list of 12 steps to help your church grow or 12 steps to be a better leader. It's really just one thing. And here it is. Uh, your most vital asset as a Christian leader is not your gifts. It's not your talents. It's not your education. It's not your charisma. It's not your leadership ability. It is very simply the health of your own soul. Uh, I'm convinced of that, that that's our greatest leadership resource. And that's not only true for you, it's true for those folks that are on your staff, that you're also leading and nurturing and, and mentoring. Uh, I want to share a couple of quotes with you just real quickly. I'm going to try to put these on the screen because one or two of them are, are long. But the first one is from my favorite 12th century Cistercian monk. I don't know who your favorite 12th century Cistercian monk is, but mine is Bernard of Clairvaux. And uh, here's what Bernard had to say. He said, if you are wise, you, were sh you will show yourself rather as a reservoir than as a canal. For a canal spreads abroad water as it receives it, but a reservoir waits until it is filled before overflowing, and thus without loss to itself, communicates its superabundant water. And then he says, remember this is the 12th century, <laughs> he says, in the church at present day we have many canals, but few reservoirs. And I think Bernard's words are spot on for all times. But particularly, as Blake mentioned, you know, the past two years had been a really difficult season in which to lead and I think have exposed many folks to be canals rather than reservoirs. Uh, there's been a great exposure that has taken place over the past two years and we've seen it in the church, and we've unfortunately seen it among many church leaders, that there's not the kind of depth oftentimes that's needed to do what Blake was talking about, which is simply to, to be bold and to speak truth. And, and when we fail to do that from a life and a soul that is filled, uh, that is deeply invested in this abiding with Christ, then we cease to be a redemptive presence in the world. Uh, a few years ago, Alistair Begg, uh, second quote for you, told a group of Christian leaders, he said, the people we serve don't need our giftedness, they need our godliness. And I think that's absolutely true uh, and certainly relevant to our times today. And then one last quote, uh, many of you will be familiar with Henri Nouwen, uh, in his little book, The Way of the Heart. But Henri Nouwen says to Christian leaders, he says, what needs to be guarded is the life of the spirit within us. 
especially we who want to witness to the presence of God's Spirit in the world, we need to tend the fire within with utmost care. I mean, that's what we want to do, is we want to bear witness to the presence of God's Spirit and work in the world. He goes on, he says, it is not so strange that many ministers have become burnt out cases, people who say many words and share many experiences, but in whom the fire of God's spirit has died and from whom not much more comes forth than their own boring, petty ideas and feelings. Uh, I know in my own life, there was a season of my ministry where I realized I was doing the work of Christ at such a pace that I wasn't leaving room for God to do the work in me that he wanted done. I never reached the point of burnout, uh, but I know my ministry was more shallow than it should have been uh, because I was not investing in that deep abiding relationship. And then Mowen goes on to say, he says, our first and foremost task is faithfully to care for the inward fire so that when it is really needed, it can offer warmth and light to lost travelers. Uh, you guys know all of that. Uh, that's nothing new to you. Uh, but sometimes it, it's helpful to be reminded and because I know all of the pressures in ministry work against everything that Nowen said and Bernard said, and Alistair Begg said, uh, there are pressures to do there, and, and church culture, leadership culture celebrates people who do. We don't celebrate people who pray and spend time nurturing their own soul. It's just the models of ministry that we have. The, the church fathers would roll over in their graves but uh, we were trained in different ways and inherited different ministry models than, the, than they were working with. But I'm really convinced that giving attention to the nurture of our own soul is key. I think when Peter says that we should always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have, when I early on in my faith read that passage and reflected on it, I focused on the answer that we're supposed to give. But as I've meditated on that passage more and more, I think Peter is really emphasizing the being prepared part. Not being prepared so much with the answer, but becoming the kind of person who can give the answer in the right way at the right time when it's needed. And I think the context of that passage goes on to reinforce the importance of becoming that kind of person. So for the past um, really 20 years, uh, I've been investing, even though I teach Old Testament at Johnson, I've been investing in the idea of discipleship and formation, studying this at an academic level, thinking about how to, to grow in my own faith and help others in my circle of influence grow. And uh, as Jason mentioned, about eight years ago, uh, I just felt led to share some of the things that I was learning with other Christian leaders. And so my wife and I prayed about it and we rented a retreat center in East Tennessee and invited some people to come to the first ever spiritual formation leadership summit. That's a mouthful and summit sounds pretentious, but I didn't know what else to call it. 
and I told my wife, I said, if, uh, if nobody comes to this, you and I are going to have a very expensive getaway, just the two of us. But I think we had about 24 folks show up for that first one. And then it just kind of took off by word of mouth. Uh, we didn't advertise it for years and didn't even start a website until uh, about a year and a half ago. But by word of mouth, people started telling their friends, here's a place where you can go to both have your soul fed, uh, to go somewhere where there are folks that are ministering to the ministers, but also be challenged to think outside of the box about what discipleship and formation looks like in your local context, whether that's a church, the mission field, running a nonprofit, whatever it might be. And that spiritual formation summit has grown from those very humble beginnings to it is still a humble little conference slash retreat. There's nothing flashy about it, but um, we had to start offering it twice a year uh, because we maxed out. I capped it at about 55 people because I wanted to stay intimate. I don't want it to become a big flashy thing. I want this to be a place where ministers can, can come and feel safe, feel known, feel heard, uh, feel genuinely cared about. Uh, and so we follow a monastic rhythm. So we start with morning prayer at 7.30 in the morning, and then we eat like all monks, they have to eat. So we eat, and then I teach for about an hour, bringing uh, material that I teach in my graduate courses on spiritual formation here at Johnson and at Richmond University. Uh, and I tell the participants, you know, if you come to enough of these things, you basically get a graduate education for about a third of the cost. Uh, so I teach, but then we spend some time reflecting and praying over that. So we have about an hour of silence just to maybe work through some directed exercises or pray over the teaching. We come back and debrief it, and then we worship again in prayer and share another meal and just kind of have that rhythm throughout the day. Uh, and so the summit has really turned into a safe place for Christian leaders. Uh, Pre-COVID, we had about 120. Uh, we'd maxed out both retreats. And now that uh, we're learning to adjust to, to the COVID reality, uh, the attendance has picked back up again. And there's all likelihood that I'll add a third one uh, in 2023. Um, there's nothing pretentious about the summit. It's just an expression of my desire to minister to ministers. Uh, we bring a Christian counselor, we bring a couple of spiritual directors. Um, people are there for the fellowship and uh, for the nurture that takes place. Uh, it's become a safe place to share and, and, and talk. And what pastors are telling me and Christian leaders are telling me is that they enjoy the big celebrity conferences, but they can get all of that content online. I mean, they can watch the big celebrity speakers on YouTube. What they can't find, apparently, is a combination of like high-level grad teaching combined with a genuine pastoral care for the individual and the time and the space to be with God and to be prayed for and a place to confess sin and those kinds of things that we all desperately need. Uh, so that has just been a really rich experience. And we have people mostly from 
east of the Mississippi that attend. But uh, this this past one, we had folks from Idaho and California and various places fly in. Um, but it's a good group of leaders. Some are from mega churches and some are from tiny churches where they're the only person on staff. And nobody worries about any of that uh, because everybody that's there just wants to grow closer to God and learn how to help others grow closer to God. Uh, I, I had a meeting a couple of weeks ago with, with Bob Russell, and I was talking to him about the retreats that he leads. Some of you may have been on those retreats that he does uh, and the retreats that I'm leading. And we had a really good conversation about how those are complementary. But Bob said something to me that I thought was really interesting. He said, Jody, the people who attend the leadership summit that you do are the ones who need it the least. I didn't know how to take that at first. And then he went on and he said, it's the people who don't attend that need it the most. And I thought, oh, man, you're on to something here. And I said, yeah, you're, the, the, people are busy. And he said, yeah, not only that, but he said, sometimes when we're successful in ministry, we can begin to assume that because we're successful in the outward measures of ministry, that our soul is where it needs to be. Uh, and he said, sometimes our own pride over our success gets in the way of caring and nurturing for our soul. Uh, and I said, Bob, I think that's true. I think you could get away with saying that maybe more than I can. Um, but I think there's some truth there. Um, so I would just really encourage you to, to carve out ways to nurture your own soul and to help your staff find ways to do that as well. Uh, and if it's not participating in something like the summit, then, then something else. Um, out of the summit has come another initiative that we started two years ago. And the summit and this new initiative, they're not connected with any school or university. They're just things that I'm doing and some other uh, leaders who have a passion for, for pouring into pastors are also involved in. Uh, two years ago, we started something called this uh, learning retreats. And myself and some other professors were kind of looking at the changing landscape and recognizing that these days, a lot of churches are hiring staff internally. And many of those staff are never gonna go back to seminary or college. But to do the kind of things that Blake was talking about, to be that vital, bold, truth-speaking, spirit-filled presence in the world, they really need some biblical and theological education to up their game. So I started praying about this and talking with some other professors from different seminaries and colleges. And we came up with this idea of learning retreats. It's not a very catchy name. We got to come up with a better name. But essentially, I've recruited top-notch seminary and college professors to teach their signature courses in a not-for-credit setting where they're giving all of the content that they would normally give in a class, but nobody has to write a paper and you don't have to take an exam. And the content is delivered in a five-day retreat where there's pastoral sensitivity and pastoral concern. And, I, and the qualifications for the people I asked to do this are 
They have to know their stuff. They have to be good and dynamic in the classroom. They have to have also led a church or had a significant ministry, either as a missionary or in a local uh, church setting. Uh, and so a weekend youth ministry while you're in seminary doesn't qualify. You have to actually have led a church in some kind of significant way so that you can translate your work in the academic world in practical ways. Uh, and then the fourth qualification is you got to be theologically orthodox. Uh, you know, you got to be theologically conservative. So I twisted the arm of a few folks uh, like uh, Mark Scott from Ozark, uh, Mark Zeese, who used to teach at Cincinnati back in the day and was here at Johnson for a little while. Uh, Carlos Gupton, who runs the D-Men program at Lipscomb now, um, twisted the arm of some of these folks that I know know their content, but also have a heart for the church. Uh, and so for two years now, we, we started this program where folks can come and even if they already have uh, a Bible college degree and graduate degrees, they can come and continue to be lifelong learners and fill up listening to some really good teachers who understand the church uh, and be poured into intellectually, but also poured into at the soul level because you're praying with the, the instructors, eating meals with them, having rich conversations around lunch and dinner table. Uh, and that has really just been a lot of fun and is bearing some fruit. Uh, I taught the one this past summer on the book of the 12, and we had I think 24 participants, 12 of those were senior pastors, all of whom who had been to Bible college, and most of them had master's degrees. One fellow was just finishing up his doctorate. Uh, they were all writing sermon series on the minor prophets as I was teaching them the material that I teach in one of my signature courses here at Johnson. They were all going to study for their sermon series anyway. Uh, why not come sit with someone who has done this professionally for a, uh, for a long time, but also loves and understands the church? Uh, and so they've been emailing me all year. Oh, here we are in the sermon series, and this is where, where we are. They don't need to go back to seminary uh, to, to, to benefit from that kind of content. They don't need to take tests or exams. They're writing sermons for their people. There's immediate application. And that just puts so much wind in my sails because as much as I enjoy preparing future leaders, right now it just feels like we're at a critical time in the life of the church in our culture. And it feels as if what's really needed is folks to pour into leaders who are in the trenches right now. I mean, you've all seen the stats. In the past two years, people are dropping out of ministry at a high rate. The pipeline of incoming replacements is slim. So we've got to find ways to help people in leadership, not just survive, but thrive. And so uh, those are two kind of initiatives that I've been involved in. Uh, opportunities for uh, leaders in nonprofits, missionaries, uh, chaplains. We have uh, military chaplains that come, hospital chaplains that participate. But the greatest uh, number of folks who participate is people on a local church staff, whether they're pastors, youth ministers, worship leaders, whatever they might be. Uh, so I'm going to make you guys aware of, the, of those opportunities. 
I know some of you are from larger congregations where you are overseeing a staff that can maybe benefit from those kind of professional development opportunities. Um, and they are a couple of ways to nurture your own soul and help grow the soul of those that you're serving with in your local church. Uh, one focuses more on nurturing the mind and the soul. Uh, and the other, the Spiritual Formation Leadership Summit, focuses more on the spirit and the soul, even though there's a lot of rich content there. So that's my pitch for that. And if you don't do either of those, do something. Uh, as Nowen says, you have to take time to tend the fire within uh, so that you can give light and warmth when it's needed. And we all know this again. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Uh, but we also all know the challenges that come with being in ministry and carving out the time to give that sort of intentional attention to making sure that we're filling up like a reservoir and, and not serving like a canal that's simply channeling the latest program, the latest book idea, but nurturing from, from a deep well. So as far as Gump would say, that's all I got to say about that. Because uh, I've been instructed to leave about 10 minutes to, to chat uh, about that. And I'm happy to talk about even any of those things or discipleship and spiritual formation in general. If you've just got random questions you want to ask about that, uh, that's what puts wind in my sails. So let's let's talk a little bit. And thanks for your attention. Jody, I don't know if you can hear me or not. I just yeah. wanted to say that I I just signed up for the October 17th, 19th. Uh, I'll be there at Eagle Rock. I just put it online. You guys, I know self-promotion sucks, Jody. So it's jodylowens.com. Look up the Spiritual Formation Retreat, and there's different ways to sign up from register for the event. I just did it. I'll be with you, Jody. I'm fired up to be there in October. Yeah, I, I'm glad. And uh, yeah, the theme for October and the spring one in 2023 is going to be shaped by the word. And we're going to look at how scripture forms and shapes not only us as leaders, but how it forms and shapes the people that we minister to. And it's not going to be a superficial look at, oh, here's scripture, and it's important that we read it and study it and memorize it. We're going to go deep into that idea. So, yeah, Blake, that'll be fun. It'll be great to be with you, and you, I think you'll enjoy that. Hey, Jody, I have, uh, I have two, two questions I'd like to ask you that I think, think could be beneficial for everyone here on the call. Um, could you give us, um, for, the, for, for, those, for those that um, maybe – are, you know, six months out, just scheduling wise, whatever's going on in their lives, six months out from potentially doing anything like a summit or, uh, you know, whatever, whatever their life circumstances are right now. Um, I think we all find ourselves at different periods of time, just struggling to connect with the Lord. There are times when we feel on a mountaintop times we're in the Valley. Um, could you give us uh, first question is, could you give us just a couple nuts and bolts, practical application um, for just different ways that we could take care of our souls. Maybe some things that are maybe outside of the box uh, thinking wise. Um, yeah. If, yeah. If you could give us some of those and then if you could give us one or two resources, maybe, maybe two books that are just really awesome practical application um, type books for this topic for pastors today. That I think that would be helpful for us. Yeah. Yeah. And those two are kind of related. 
so one really good resource is uh, Adele Calhoun's book, uh, The Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. Uh, I think this is it here. Uh, and this is a wonderful encyclopedia of different spiritual practices and how they function and what they do uh, and the kind of desires within us that those practices can meet. Um, I don't recall if we use this resource in the class, Jason, that you took with me, um, but that's, that's a wonderful resource. Um, another one, I, my guess is that most of you have read Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline. You probably ought to reread that about every five years or so. Uh, but maybe one you haven't read that I think that's really important for pastors is uh, Abraham Heschel's book, Sabbath. Heschel was a Jewish rabbi, the preeminent uh, rabbinic theologian of the last century. And his book on Sabbath is absolutely the best treatment of the idea of Sabbath that I've ever read. Um, and I think pastors, we struggle to keep Sabbath. We really do. And that book, I think, would really be helpful for you. It's a small little book. I'm looking for it here. It must be on my other shelf. Uh, but it's Abraham Heschel. And uh, maybe Renee can send out an email afterwards and I can list some of these and maybe also send a flyer for some of the retreats that I do. So I'll, I'll put those, those books and maybe a few others on there. But Heschel's book on Sabbath, I think is really important. Um, in, in terms of, of practices that you might engage in, I would say the biggest thing is not which practices you engage in, but a sense of intentionality. Um, you know, maybe it's fasting, maybe it's silence and solitude, maybe it's service. Everybody's wired up differently. There's not just one way to disciple. There's not just one way to be formed in Christ. So if you use Adele Calhoun's little handbook, she actually has an inventory in the back that helps you think about the areas in which you need to grow and the areas where you have a hunger and thirst for God, and out of that can point you to certain spiritual practices and disciplines that might be helpful. Because none of us practice all the spiritual disciplines all at the same time. We'd have to quit our jobs and become full-time monks, and even then, we wouldn't be able to engage in all of the different practices that are available to us. Uh, but I would say reread Foster, re read the Calhoun book, but definitely pick up Heschel's book, Sabbath. Yeah. Is that helpful? If you come to the summit, we always engage in a couple of different spiritual practices uh, that are maybe new to folks. Uh, that, that's typical. Sometimes it's Lectio Divina, Prayer of Examen, uh, whatever it might be.